0: And I'm Alina. We're Bitches boo, And we're back after months of procrastination and barely staying alive and cyclones and COVID and protests, and black fungus. We're here trying to record a new episode for the new season.
1: It's super exciting. We're going to change things up a little bit. We're going to have shorter episodes and more exciting topics we're really looking forward to it so this week what are we talking about Alina
0: so this week we're talking about wellness and the spiritual
2: journey
0: but uh, yeah I mean wellness and kind of holistic healing practices because at least for me personally that kind of become a pretty big part of my life in the last couple of years a bigger part than I would have wanted But I think especially with everything that's happened in the recent past, people's faith in Western allopathic medicine is definitely decreasing. I mean, I think the biggest example of this is the overuse of steroids in the treatment of COVID patients, which has now led to basically a black fungus epidemic in India. they are definitely quacks, which is true across all industries once they really pick up. I mean, the thing is, like, what really... Where do we draw the line when it comes to holistic healing practices? I don't
1: know. For me, the thing is especially when it comes to these faith healing things like Reiki or um, Pranic healing or anything that requires a certain belief, I am hugely skeptical because I feel like then it's just placebo. And then it's just you convincing yourself, which in in and of itself is helpful in a lot of ways. It does help bring your stress level down because you learn to kind of almost self-soothe people are then so susceptible to being manipulated and misled through these practices you know and i feel like places like reiki and pranic healing is where this starts and there are some people who have their heart in the right place and some people who genuinely believe that it works and good for them but I don't know. For me, like I can go up to a certain extent. Like I can do Ayurveda, I could sometimes do homeopathy, but that kind of that's where I kind of draw the line. I don't think I could believe in anything beyond that because it just it feels disingenuous for me. You know, it feels like I have to surrender a little bit too much of myself to believe that somebody could heal me by touching me.
0: Um so for the last like two in a half to almost three years now I've been pretty much practicing meditation and yoga every day and and I cannot recommend it enough it's like literally the only thing on most days keeping me from like stabbing myself in the eye um but yeah like it's obviously made a huge difference to my mental health supplemented by therapy, which obviously has roots in psychoanalysis and psychological theory, but the therapist that i work with also does a lot of holistic healing. So there is a lot of breath work and the kind of body scans and somatic healing. Somatic healing essentially means that, you know, our nervous systems operate on a level where a lot of the things that we go through as children, any kind of trauma, it gets trapped as nervous system responses in our body. That's partly the reason why we struggle with anxiety, or why we get triggered by certain news or information or certain situations. And even though th- the situation in itself may not be dangerous, our nervous system perceives it to be that way because of past trauma. And then you know naturally reacts in either like a flight or a fright response. And when your nervous system's trapped in that uh, your cortisol levels are usually very high, your cortisol and adrenaline levels, which can then scientifically lead to a lot of insulin resistance and inflammation, which is basically the leading cause of like all major diseases. So even if you go to a regular doctor, a doctor would talk a lot about stress reduction when it comes to gut stuff, when it comes to cancer, diabetes, heart stuff, you know, stress plays a huge factor. And for me personally, yoga and meditation has gone a very, very, very long way in helping me battle that stress, especially because I focus on things happening on a body level before getting into any kind of abstraction. For me personally, things like aromatherapy, essential oils, candle therapy, um, Reiki, neuro linguistics programming, which is NLP, becomes kind of like a supplement to my existing yoga and meditation practice. And you're right. In a way, it is very faith-based. So it's like Reiki will only work for you. It's a form of energy healing. If you believe it would work for you. I obviously do not know the exact mechanisms as to how it works. But my mother practices Reiki and it's been she's practiced it on me. It's been effective. Somebody else once tried practicing it on me, a friend of my, of a mother of my friends. And it wasn't so effective because I think I was pushing the energy away because it has a lot to do with skepticism and faith. And as far as like candle therapy and sense sort of aroma therapy is concerned, for me, that's just, frankly, just a matter of tapping into your five senses because so much of your anxiety like hijacks your nervous system, which can then hijack your senses. So one of the biggest grounding techniques is also coming back to what, you can sense, so what you can touch, taste, smell, hear, see.
1: I suppose, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would necessarily equate the two. I do think it's a bit of a false equivalence in that, yes, doctors are, like, pharma companies are evil. They are asked to push certain drugs, but a lot of these drugs are clinically trusted and have gone through years of testing and approvals and this and that so that they are effective. So there is a good chance that this drug will be effective in the way that it's supposed to be versus going to someone and getting some kind of faith healing thing that may or may not work.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's true. Although even in COVID, it's something we've noticed that there's been so much conversation around mental health and isolation and what that can do to you. And even in a hospital, especially if you're terminally ill or in the ICU, like a huge aspect of it is about human touch and positivity. I mean, we all know the number of cases where people who have cancer have recovered purely through, I mean, of course, with medicines and chemotherapy and all of that, but also having a really positive mindset and kind of having the will to believe that you will recover plays almost like an equal part. Like doctors have confirmed this of course with any industry that just mushrooms there'll always be people trying to make a profit and trying to make a buck you know so it's like obviously at that point you have to be a bit discerning and the more vulnerable people can get sucked in and end up spending like way too much money on a tarot card reading like I went to the hilltop market in Goa way before all of this happened the second wave and stuff and there was a lady sitting there who was doing tarot readings and like the price was like 7k or 10k or something or i think more than that which to me is ridiculous because i started learning tarot reading and it's fine if somebody wants to tap into obviously the fact that they've sharpened their intuitions and clairvoyance like over the years and i'm sure people are paying for that kind of experience but at the same time it's it just feels wrong to be charging people so much and i also feel that somebody who approaches somebody for a tarot reading. Or something holistic is obviously going through a tough time so using that aspect as a way to make profits is fucked up but the exact same thing happens with pharma companies and bloody doctors you know like that's re- literally why the opioid crisis exists in america and which is why the antibiotic crisis exists across the world because over the years doctors have been given those margins to push certain medicines so it's not like it's any different from what happens in the western industry as well. I think that's just a function of capitalism.
1: But there's also the risk of, like, you being really ill and then not taking the medical route and choosing a more holistic path and that not doing anything for you and you're just getting progressively sicker and sicker and sicker. I mean, that's also equal risk.
0: But the same can be argued for terminal diseases as well. I mean, I've had doctors tell me that medicine is not an exact science. I'm not saying that you should shirk antibiotics if you have a really serious bacterial infection for reiki nobody's saying that i think the idea is that the two need to somewhere go hand in hand and this kind of derision and uh disdain that the medical community has for holding holistic practices needs to perhaps be examined because i know for a fact that doctors have told me off the record that <clears throat> you know you can take the root of asparagus to regulate your menstrual cycle but they'll never go on record and say that because their education and the kind of vow they have to sign as a doctor will never allow them that
1: i agree with that because for example like if i take the example of my dad who had uh, a really bad back he had really bad slipped disc um he had like a complete disc prolapse and he couldn't get out of bed um and he went to the doctor who said you'll have to get surgery and the surgery is again not 100% effective and if you do get surgery you'll probably, he's a pilot so he said you'll probably never fly again and then he took him aside and he said I would suggest that you go down the Ayurveda route because it's known to be very effective in treating this problem and of course I can't make an official recommendation but this is what you should do and then my mother took him to a hospital in Trivandrum and I think a few months later, he was back to flying, you know, which is unheard of in these cases, because he had like a complete disc prolapse. And I had a similar case a couple of years ago as well. And I went down the Ayurveda route, and it was very, very effective. So like I said, there is a part of me that does believe in some of these practices, like I do believe in Ayurveda, because I do know that some of it, is rooted in science some of those medicines some of those treatments are equally if not more effective than western medicine and that's true personal experience and it has nothing to do with my faith in those treatments because when I first went into those treatments I had zero faith I didn't I was hugely skeptical we have Satyan with us Satyan and I went to school together and When he was in school, he went through a few health issues and he used Ayurveda and homeopathy and other such treatments to tackle it. And he's had quite a bit of success with it. So I just wanted to speak with him and learn about his journey and learn about what his process was
2: as well. Thanks, Aditi. Um, So essentially what kind of happened is that as I started to progress into my later teens, Um, I started to experience a host of different symptoms um, that the typical kind of allopathic doctor um, wasn't able to like um, diagnose to one specific issue. Um, There was a series of tests that were conducted. um, A lot of them quite uncomfortable from like an endoscopy uh, to blood tests to a a lot of different things. And uh, I saw a range of different specialists and the conclusion kept coming back that we, we can clearly see that you have symptoms and we can kind of tell you what that's about, but um, we don't see any specific underlying issue that we can point to. Um, that carried on for like over a year. And as my symptoms started to like um, exacerbate or get worse, um, I found that my body wasn't able to like really assimilate nutrition. Um, I didn't have, I started to lose like energy. I became fatigued very easily. Um, I couldn't digest food. I started to then eventually throw up blood. Uh, I, at first about six months, couldn't attend high school. I had to like take time off, um, so on and so forth. And um, as this continued, it got more and more aggressive and more and more frustrating also, as there was like no real solution because we couldn't really understand the problem, which is when after going through, getting to sort of like a boiling point, where I became extremely frustrated and depressed and also hard to like function. Um, I was like, all right, let's look at other options. And I thankfully had um, and have um, like uh, uh, an aunt and an uncle that are very into alternative therapies. Um, And they introduced me initially to meditation um, through like some Babaji that they follow. And then with meditation, I started to like, um, Dive deeper into other such kind of alternative therapies. Um, I looked into Ayurveda. There's a really fantastic Ayurvedic center just outside of Bangalore that I went to. Um, and then also homeopathy. This is another person, a uh, close family friend that recommended their homeopathy doctor that apparently cured their dog of cancer. So um, yeah, I tried all of the above and through some sort of mix and match over the course of like quite a long time, maybe one or two years of sticking with it. Um, eventually did find quite a bit of success my symptoms subsided not totally went away but subsided um, and I was able to go back to a sort of uh, and semi-normal it took
1: life. like what a course of one year for you to get to that point has it since then subsided completely
2: so yeah it did take quite a bit of time it, it took over a year, the results were, were incremental. Um, I started to see success, my symptoms subsiding after six months, but it, it still, there was still quite a while to go. So it gradually subsided over two years. Um, and then as I sort of eventually went back and went back to my normal-ish kind of life and went to college and so on, I wasn't as diligent with my treatment. You know, I started to also wean myself off of the various types of like you know alternative medicines and other things and um, gradually wanted to go back to a life where I didn't have to be dependent on anything and um, yeah I mean I still practice meditation and uh, every now and again consult an Ayurvedic doctor and take Ayurvedic medication yeah it's not like I'm I, I, I never return to a place where I'm like exactly as healthy as I was before all of this began um, but it's definitely way, way more manageable now.
1: What do you think it was about his alternative therapies that could help you in a way that allopathy could? Do?
2: Well, I mean, there are a lot of benefits to the scientific method, um, but I think it's fundamentally based on some sort of like tangible evidence, right? Which is where a lot of the tests come in. And since the tests were non-conclusive, um, there was no way to really like, have a prognosis or diagnosis and move forward. So um, the fact that allo, you know, uh, Ayurvedic doctors uh, uh, or, or healers or, or, or um, homeopathic doctors are able to look at you overall as a person and don't necessarily need conclusive evidence, um, like actually enables them to be able to, to provide some sort of treatment, um, especially since there aren't really any real significant side effects uh, and sometimes even no side effects. To it So they can try something out, see how it goes. And if it doesn't go super well, adjust and then further customize it um, until they do find a sort of recipe that works. And to some people that doesn't sound very pleasing because it doesn't sound scientific. But I think in the right circumstances, with the right intention and with the right amount of effort, that can actually be a huge bonus um, if you give it the time to do its job.
1: And how skeptical were you when you first brought into alternative therapy? Very
2: skeptical. So skeptical. <laughs> um, I <laughs> extremely skeptical. I come from a background that my, full of my, everybody in my family. I studied science, and I was very much like geared towards that and something about the, the idea that that might be unscientific um, did throw me off. Um, but I, that's why it took for me to get to a point of desperation. For me to really take the leap, uh, once I, once I, once I did get sort of desperate enough and wanted to see results, I was willing to try anything, and uh, and it did prove out. It did prove to work. So I think uh, I, I, it took me a long time to give it a chance, but once I did give it a chance, I, I did commit and uh, follow whatever thinking plan was laid out.
0: I don't know. I feel like I've been caught up with so many chronic ailments for the last like couple of years. In touch with now, it seems like things have improved to a large extent. But um, even the doctors where I was struggling with some chronic UTIs and I was on antibiotics for almost a year told me that the antibiotics destroyed the good bacteria in my body. And this is why I kept relapsing. And a doctor told me this, right? Which is why I needed to build the good bacteria in my body using... Like supplements, like probiotics, and also eating certain kind of food that is rich and free in pre and probiotics. So, which, which I found just absurd—the fact that I spent a year fighting a disease only to be rendered more immunocompromised in some sense, you know. And and speaking of Ayurveda, I had this experience as well. Like I really think it's very hit or miss, and it really just depends on your own exposure and your own um, immunity and the way your body functions because everyone everyone's body is different right like people react to things differently because i remember i'd gone to an ayurveda retreat on one of my birthdays and just as like a detox kind of a thing and the people there had given me a lot of enemas like oil enemas which completely cleaned my gut out and my gut was like the gut of a baby which can be very dangerous because the food i'm eating after i finish the detox uh, is not baby food. You know, I'm I'm, like, I'm going to be eating normal food and then suddenly my stomach can't handle that.
1: You touched upon a really important point there where you said that Western and Eastern medicine sh- should go hand in hand. And certain aspects of Eastern medicine. I do agree that there are some practices that are a little too out there.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Like I remember for this, this birthday, in fact, like a couple of weeks ago, I had a sort of a tarot, not a tarot, like an oracle card reading session and meditation with a lady who I don't know, but I just kind of met her on online and I was very, very skeptical going into it, but it just turned out to be kind of like a guided meditation where we ended up doing a lot of inner child work, which is something I anyway do in my therapy. And I actually found that it was supremely beneficial and it left me feeling quite like centered and grounded, which is something we all need. And I think even the medicinal community is at quite a loss with the kind of, say, mental health fallout that's going to be, that has been and will be of the last two years, right? So, like, I remember I used to really stress migraines, which were just unbelievable, like nothing could fix them. And the only thing that helped was NLP or Neuro Programming, which basically means that you kind of rewire the language in which you talk to your brain in. So, for example, if you're looking at something as, a, as, as... I mean, the idea of positive affirmations also comes in there, but it's a little more scientific than that. Like, if you're looking at something as a problem, then you, look at, you, know, then you just change the language in which you phrase that. And by doing that, your neurons respond in a similar manner. So, for example, if somebody shows me or tells me there's an earthquake, my brain will process it very differently from, like, somebody telling me, okay, maybe that's a bad example. But if, like, somebody tells me that we've run out of water, it's very different if somebody tells me, like, we've run out of water, but it'll be back in a day. You know what I mean? Like, just it's these little things that make a difference as to how, your neurons your literal like neurons respond to it and that's kind of what nlp works on and that really helped me with my migraines and that kind of ensured that over the years my migraines have reduced by like 95 percent
1: so i do think that we need to find a way to kind of integrate these two practices so this whole idea of faith healing and you know, more holistic treatments and Western medicine because, um, it's just a, a healthier way to approach your body and your mind. So, okay, so I spoke to three different people. I spoke to one person who um had just what started practicing pranic healing. Pranic healing is similar to Reiki, except there's no touch involved. So, it's uh the same idea of energy healing, of kind of tapping into a life force and concentrating it and sending it out to to people who are affected by whatever ailments. Um, he started doing it with uh, I think his girlfriend at the time who had really, really bad period pain and it was effective and then he sort of, you know, started practicing it more and more. And he is absolutely convinced that it works 100%. And I can't really dispute that claim because I haven't tried it. And I am a skeptic, so it becomes difficult for me to, I don't know, like I do think that stuff like this requires you to kind of abandon your skepticism a little bit, and then it becomes really hard to do. so, and then I asked him, I was just like, you know, how effective is this treatment, for example, someone with cancer were to come your way. And then he said you have to be higher up in the order of things. You, know, you have you have different sort of levels at which you practice this. And he said that there are certain uh, scientific uh, and lab studies that have been done on this in the West that have proven that this is quite effective. Um, for me, it boils down to, I think, the human mind because I think people are capable of convincing themselves to get better I do think it plays a huge part You know, if you genuinely believe that you're receiving these positive vibes and you're going to get better your body will respond in a positive way to that for me that's how I think it works Uh, after that I spoke to another friend of mine whose mom practices a lot of these uh, things she does color healing and she also does um, Reiki he He said he had also been initiated into Reiki when he was much younger. But he is very, very skeptical, like 100%. And he said that these practices could actually be quite harmful because what if they don't work? You know, this whole idea of somebody that going into this, you know, this line of treatment is going to get you better. And then they kind of neglect their other you know medical needs and then they don't get better it could be quite harmful especially during a pandemic where people are trying to you know we, we have this whole cow urine thing that's going on that isn't really the reiki but you know the same idea of like not believing in modern medicine and then maybe even you know subscribing to harmful practices in order to get better so it could be potentially very harmful especially in a society like India the one interesting thing we talked about was I asked him, why do you think India as a society in general is more susceptible to uh, alternative healing practices and faith healing and gurus and things like that? And he says, because we are a society that is taught not to question things. And so many of our social systems are built on that premise, like our caste orders and things like that. We're taught to just accept them as they are and not question things and accept this idea of superiority and things like that, and it has to start um, on a in a on a sort of very primary education level, where you learn you you sorry you teach people to be more skeptical in a healthy way, but be more skeptical, learn how to question things, you know, learn how to ask the right questions. And we're not doing that with our kids. We're going in the opposite direction, in fact, you know. And that is telling of a much larger issue. But I think this tendency to move more towards alternative healing practices is kind of a symptom of that, you know, where we're so ready to just surrender to this practice because people say oh it's ancient and therefore it should it it has more wisdom attached to it and I don't think that, that that's a fair assessment that just because something is an ancient practice it has more wisdom attached to it I think that's kind of bullshit honestly so that was interesting and then I spoke to his mom who was the exact opposite you know who practices color healing and she was really sweet and I told her about the issues that I had and so she shared like a page from her color healing book and she um, follows this person called Ajay Mehta on YouTube. Um, I think he's a proponent of color healing and he also gives classes and things like that. And the idea is that you, have, you expose certain pressure points on your body to different colors and each color kind of corresponds with a certain body function or certain ailment. And so according to what ailment you have, you expose certain colors to those pressure points and it helps. What I found interesting when I spoke to her was that she said these treatments were also really effective on animals. And that's where the kind of placebo argument falls apart. Now, how do you determine if it's effective on animals? You basically see how they improve how fast they heal and she said that the healing was really quick you had animals that were kind of just written off by their vets who had almost a miraculous recovery because of reiki and color healing and reiki is more effective on animals because they don't have skepticism right they don't really know what's going on so they're very open receptacles in that way so that was interesting. I mean, yes, people should be skeptical. They should be careful. Don't subscribe to Thristal. That is one alternative healing practice that I am so anti. I can't even like... I cannot be attentive. You
0: know, I, I genuinely think that there is a certain power to that if you research enough and if you educate yourself enough about how they actually work. And of course, like you have to be very discerning in terms of where you're buying it from, how much you're paying for it, they don't actually cost that much, you know, like, because even pundits and stuff, dude, they charge you, like, upwards of 30-40k just to wear a moonga or just to wear, like, a moonstone, which is stuff that you can potentially manage on your own.
1: See, my, my issue with crystals is that they have, now that they've become such a fad, they have a larger environmental impact and I find that quite devastating because crystals are not monitored in the way more precious stones would be monitored. There's no uh, big conglomerate that's kind of setting the rules. So people are just mining indiscriminately so that somebody can go and buy rose coal.
0: I know, but even if individuals go and mine the individuals, mine the stones, not even for a second will it have the same environmental impact as industries doing it you know what I mean so I feel like that's a whole other because any kind of regulatory
1: it's become such a huge thing now the mining has gone up multifold because it's become a health bad it's that's the number one reason that crystal mining has gone up especially in places like Madagascar and the thing is a lot of people are buying into it not because they believe in it but because it's a fact you know, and I just think that it's unhealthy and I think it's bullshit, like, I, it just annoys me, it annoys the crap out of me when someone puts up a story you to know, have some influencer with their crystals lying out in the sun talking about how it's gonna be a full moon tonight, and I don't know it just it really annoys the shit out of me, I don't know why yeah, I
0: mean, I suppose it's also about how you harness into it, dude, like I really believe in working with lunar energy and so much of it is also related to, like, the period cycle, and like, for example I time my workouts according to my period cycle. So w- right after my period, I have a lot of energy, which is very much related to like biological functions in the body. So I tend to do just more stress, like more high stress and sort of workouts that need more endurance. And then as I progress into my luteal phase, and then my follicular phase, and then, then PMS in the actual period, my workouts then change in terms of speed and endurance and the kind of strength that's required. So I very much believe that there are ways you can really like your body does hold a lot of the answers. And if you learn the art of actually listening to it, it, it like can benefit you a lot.
1: I agree, but I just don't see what it has to do with a bunch of stones. I really just cannot make that correlation. I understand as a woman, your body goes through certain cycles and you have to tune, your, tune yourself into those cycles. So that you understand how to optimize your energy, right? Your energy levels will dip when you're in the follicular phase and you're going into your PMS and your period. Because obviously your body is channeling more energy into your uterus. You have more hormones surging through your body. You're more inflamed. You know, you're going to start bleeding. So yeah, I understand that. I understand tuning your exercise practices, your food practices and everything according to your period cycle. I just don't see what it has to do with amethyst.
0: Yeah, I mean, I personally am also a bit torn about the whole crystal healing thing, but more than that is just because I can't like afford it, you know. Um, (laughs) In the interest of keeping our episodes as short as possible and hopefully being able to create more episodes in you know the coming months for you guys, we're going to leave this here. We're going to follow this up with maybe like a couple of teasers, some lives with. Hopefully, we're going to be doing a live sometime soon. So please tune in, listen, engage, write to us. And yeah, let's get chatting.
1: So in the meanwhile, give this a listen. You can listen to our previous episodes as well. They're all on our link tree. And do write in to us if you have any thoughts on this episode, if you want to have any discussions, if you have any ideas for the kind of lives we should be doing. Please write to us. You can email us at write to us, bebrew at gmail.com. You can DM us at Bitches Brew India on Instagram. And yeah, keep in touch. We'll see you in a month's time. Take care. Be safe. Double mask. Don't have parties. Bye.